0: fresh air dear friend take a deep breath it's time for a little bit of fresh air ashley was completely out of the picture now seemingly for good this time and things got better they really did maddie and i did decide to move to los angeles shortly after our honeymoon in july of 2010 i was like a kid on christmas morning So excited and anxious to open our gifts. After all, that's exactly what this was. An absolute gift. I was getting the opportunity to go pursue my dream. An unlikely and nearly impossible dream, but an amazing one nonetheless. A dream that I had been thinking about and preparing for every single day since I was a freshman in high school. And I was getting to do that with the love of my life right by my side. That was the best part of this gift. Having Maddie in my corner. Sharing in the excitement, the hope, the fear of it all with her. There's no way I could have done it without her. Well, I suppose I could have done it on my own if I had to. But I would never want to, of course. And that's special. People talk about chasing dreams all the time. How often do they allow fear to stop them, though? Fear of failure, fear of the unknown, fear of losing, time, other opportunities, other people in their lives. Sometimes that last one is what stops people from chasing their dreams the most. They're afraid they might have to do it alone. I was so very fortunate Maddie wasn't going to allow that to happen when it came to pursuing my dream. The reality was it was our dream now. That's what made it so special. But I'm well aware a lot of women wouldn't sign up for the ride Maddie and I were about to embark on. And I'll always be so very thankful that she did. It was tough at times, really tough. Our first year of marriage, our first year in Los Angeles, came with its own fair share of prize versus punishment. Maddie started working as a nurse in a hospital, but then got injured a couple of months in. She injured her back badly and would be out of work for several months. Luckily, our friend from college, Chad, helped me get a job at the company he was working for. It wasn't the most exciting work for a starving actor to do, medical billing and coding, but it allowed me to work night shifts so I could audition for projects during the day and paid a little bit better than waiting tables or slinging drinks at a bar probably would. It also provided a guaranteed schedule and medical insurance for me and Maddie both. All in all, it paid just enough for us to barely get by. It was far from what I really wanted to be doing, and the whole situation was very far from what I had envisioned for Maddie and I when we first got married. We had moved out to Los Angeles with one car. One car for two people with two different schedules and two different itineraries. One car to drive all around the big city. One car for a couple in LA. Not recommended. But we made the best of it. I ended up buying a bike so I could ride that to work whenever possible. I usually only needed the car if I got an audition or wanted to go to a class or industry event of some kind. Maddie would use the car to go grocery shopping, job hunting, and big city exploring. The only time we seemed able to use the car together was on the weekends. That was the hardest part of it all. Not getting to spend much time with the love of my life. My Maddie. It seemed like we were living out our time as newlyweds, primarily in passing. That was tough at times. Really tough. And the fact that we sometimes didn't know how we were going to pay the next bill or put more gas in the car made that first year all the more challenging. There were literally times when we couldn't afford more than a couple of bags of rice and a few cans of beans for the week's food supply. Those were the tough times that made me want to give up. Those were the times when I feared failure, when I feared the unknown, when I feared losing, Maddie especially. Those were the times I would have understood if Maddie wanted to call it quits. But she didn't. She didn't waver for a single second. And any time that I did, she reminded me why we were there in the first place. For each other. For our dream. Yeah, That first year of our marriage, that first year in Los Angeles, was tough for Maddie and I. But it turns out that was a gift too. It brought us closer. It made us stronger. And through it, we realized we really were in it together. Not just in LA, but in life. Because of our struggles, we knew we could face anything together. We had walked through a storm and found a love even more beautiful on the other side. That was the biggest prize of it all. From that point on, Maddie and I began building the life we had always envisioned. About a year after arriving in Los Angeles, almost to the day, Maddie got a position as a district school nurse in an affluent area just outside of Pasadena. She would begin making a profoundly positive impact there almost immediately, And she loved everything about it. She had found the perfect fit. I was so happy. And relieved. And inspired. I started getting more and more opportunities too. I got a talent agent. I got more auditions. I booked my first low-budget feature film. It was called Mega Shark. A classic B-rated film about an enormous shark wreaking havoc on a small beach town in Southern California. I would play one of the primary roles, a comedy relief character that was one of the last ones to be killed by the shark at the end of the film. A real badge of honor. I would work with the same directors and producers who would later gift the world with the Sharknado franchise. In fact, I would be promised a role in the second Sharknado film. A promise that was not kept, unfortunately. I still don't know why. I've always thought one of the producers who also worked on Mega Shark never liked me. I'm pretty sure he's the reason I didn't make it into the Sharknado franchise, but it's okay. That sort of thing happens far too often in Hollywood. And sometimes, there's nothing you can do about it. All I could do was make the best of the opportunities in front of me. Mega Shark was a lot of fun to work on and ultimately a step in the right direction for my acting career. There would be more opportunities in the future, as well as some more setbacks and disappointments and I would come to truly appreciate all of it in due time. Pursuing an unlikely, nearly impossible dream like becoming a professional actor could certainly write a book of stories all its own. Even stories about trying to get cast in a film or television show in the first place could fill the pages of quite the autobiography. When it comes to my own experience with auditioning, we don't have time to go through them all but I'd like to tell you about one in particular to give you an idea of what it's like. This audition specifically sort of encapsulates my time and experience as a young actor in Hollywood. When I lived and worked in Los Angeles the first time, back in the summer of 2008, I had the opportunity to work under the direction of a man named Blaine Roberts. Blaine, as I was eventually allowed to call him, had been a longtime series regular on the soap opera General Hospital. When I reached out to him before moving to LA, he gave me the contact information for one of the producers of General Hospital, Mike Reckner. He told me to be sure to send Mr. Reckner my headshot and a short note letting him know that Blaine had referred me. Now, normally I was the kind of person who would have jumped on this right away. My naive enthusiasm and unbound excitement would have caused me to reach out to Mr. Reckner as soon as I unpacked the first moving box. But fortunately, I somehow knew better on this one. I decided to wait until I was truly ready before putting my face and name, and Blaine's, in front of a producer of this size. I needed good headshots. I needed to take more classes. I needed more on-camera experience. I needed better credits on my resume. By the time I wrapped up playing my first major role in a film, a film of Mega Shark's magnitude no less, (laughs) I figured I was ready. It was the perfect time to reach out to a real Hollywood producer. I sent Mr. Reckner my materials, and within a couple of weeks, I had an audition. I couldn't believe it. It couldn't possibly be that easy to get my foot in the door on a major network show and start making some real money as an actor. Could it? What I soon found out is that I wouldn't be auditioning for General Hospital itself. Instead, I would be reading for a part in a new spin-off show called General Hospital Night Shift, which was geared toward a younger audience. No problem. That sounded like a perfect fit for me. I couldn't wait to audition. And when Mr. Reckner's assistant sent me all the details, I was even more ecstatic. The audition would take place at the Prospect Studios. Famed shows such as American Bandstand and, more recently, Grey's Anatomy have shot there. And as an honored guest, the studio was going to pay for my parking and everything during my visit. I was going to be treated like I really belonged there, like I was a real actor. This was definitely the biggest audition of my life, and I was ready. I prepared relentlessly for it, learning every line, every action, every reaction, making bold choices, understanding my character's motivations and objectives, strategizing the tactics my character would use to overcome obstacles in the scene in order to accomplish those objectives. I was ready. When I pulled up to the Prospect Studios in our 2005 Mitsubishi Lancer, I just knew this was another big step in the right direction for my acting career. For Maddie and I's dream. The security guard at the gate took my name, checked the list, and then ushered me through. He told me where to park and how to get into the General Hospital studio. As I walked from my car to the studio, I did my best to soak in every step and every moment. The building was immaculate. The creative energy was palpable. The waiting room was empty. Oh. My. God. I was the only one there to audition. This was more like a one-on-one meeting with Mr. Reckner. With a real Hollywood producer. For a real network show. Wow. It was exhilarating. But that quickly transformed into anxiety. I started getting real nervous. Before long, I was in fight or flight mode. Ultimately, I fought to stay in the moment. I became hyper aware of everything around me. Including a phone conversation Mr. Reckner was having in his office next door. I was able to hear every word of it. It was clear he was talking to a girlfriend or spouse. He ended the conversation by saying, It should be perfect beach weather this weekend. We'll go somewhere we haven't been for a while, okay? Love you. Bye. He hung up the phone and then called my name. Elijah Andrews? Is that you sitting out there? Come on in. I wasn't expecting that. I walked into his office. I officially introduced myself. And then I began speaking to the connection that had brought us together in the first place. So you've worked with Blaine Roberts for many years, huh? Uh, Great guy, right? Mr. Reckner didn't seem too interested in small talk. Blaine? Yeah, great guy. Uh, Listen, I don't have much time here, so why don't you just jump right into your audition, okay? I paused. I looked around. There was no camera. No mark on the ground, indicating where he wanted me to read from. Nothing at all that looked like the audition setups I had seen and become accustomed to. Um, are we auditioning in here, or another room, I asked. Kid, we're just going to read the scene quickly together in here, okay? I'll have you go through it one time, and if I want to see any adjustments, I'll let you know. Sound good? What was I supposed to say to that? Uh, "'That sounds great, sir. I mean, Mr. Reckner.' And with that, we jumped right into the audition scene. I was so unbelievably unnerved by then, I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I was a freshman in high school again, acting for the very first time. It was awful. I was awful. When we got to the end of the scene, Mr. Reckner paused for a moment and then simply said, "'Okay? Thanks, Elijah.' I asked him if I could do it again, told him I would love some adjustments and another swing at it if he had time for just one more. I thought about throwing in a word or two about adapting and overcoming just to show some extra grit and personality, but it was too late. My time was up. The biggest audition of my life was over and I had basically failed miserably. I tried to save face a bit on the way out and told Mr. Reckner to enjoy that beautiful beach weather this weekend. If you and your wife are looking for a great spot, I just finished filming Mega Shark at Camarillo Beach, and it's awesome. He just looked at me puzzled and said, You were listening to my phone conversation? That's kind of weird. But okay. Have a great day, kid. And that was it. There was nothing left to say. I was speechless, but apparently my body wasn't. I was so nervous, I farted. I farted in Mr. Reckner's doorway on the way out of the biggest audition of my life. And I didn't even have the heart to apologize. At best, I hoped and prayed he didn't hear or smell it. Miserable. My agent later told me Mr. Rechner actually said a few kind words about me when providing some feedback. He told her he thought I was a really polite young man. He could tell I was a nice kid. He could also tell I had a lot of potential as an actor and my nerves had just gotten the best of me that day. But he did let my agent know he didn't think I was ready to be on a show like his just yet. Tell him to keep taking classes. Go out for every film project he can, even the crappy ones. And if he farts in someone's office, for God's sake, tell him to just own it and apologize? Goodness me. (laughs) That was the relayed message I received. I never heard from Mr. Reckner again. Or Blaine Roberts. And my agent and I decided to part ways not too long after that debacle. Meanwhile, Johnny and the kids were doing great back in Fairfield. Johnny was now a full-time single dad. Super dad. That's what the kids would end up affectionately calling him. He took so much pride in that. Johnny would end up buying a ton of Superman gear and decorations for the house. He would drive the kids all around town blasting the Superman theme song with the windows down for everyone else in Fairfield to also enjoy. He would even dress him and Caleb up as Superman for Halloween one year, and when the girls came home from school that day, he jumped off the roof of their house to surprise them. Cape and all. Johnny did things like that all the time when Ashley first left. I think it was his way of taking the kids' minds off of their loss. Keeping a smile on their faces and joy in their hearts. I've also always thought that Johnny may have done those kinds of things for himself a bit, too. I think he instinctively knew he could either laugh or cry during that difficult time. He could either sink or swim. He could, as he often reminded me, adapt and overcome. Now I'm sure it was much easier said than done. I'm sure there were times when Johnny did cry. I know there were times when he felt he was sinking. But he was determined to be what his kids needed at the time. Their hero. Superdad. I have to say, I've never been more proud of my big brother than during that difficult time. He was an amazing father then. He did so much for and with his kids. And he never complained. At least not around me. He never seemed to feel sorry for himself. Uh, He felt bad for his kids. He just wanted what was best for them. He just wanted them to be happy. So, he just kept going. He was right in the middle of his own storm and trying to protect his kids from the same. And somehow, he found a way to walk right through it. To not only see the light beyond the darkness, but to actually reach for it. To actually touch it. He walked through his storm and found a love even more beautiful on the other side. Kara, Lacey, and Caleb. They were the ones who saved Johnny during that difficult time. They were his reason for rising each day and building something better. They became his heroes, and we were all so proud of them. Kara, Lacey, and Caleb wanted the best for their dad, too, which is why, in the spring of 2011, they convinced Johnny to pursue his long-awaited dream. He would decide to listen to my sage advice and his kids and try out for the Albuquerque isotopes. I remember Johnny telling me how excited he was, how nervous he was. And I remember him worrying about whether or not this was really the best decision for the kids. It's going to be a ton of work, he would say. I'm going to have to train pretty hard before even getting to the tryouts. And what if I somehow actually make the team, Eli? How am I going to travel and be away from the kids so much? I need to know they're going to be okay in all of this. It was not an easy decision for him. But the rest of us did all we could to encourage and reassure him. I told him I knew there was a way to make it all work. I told him if he made the team and they were ever playing in Southern California, he and the kids would always have a place to stay. I loved the idea of watching my big brother play baseball on a bigger stage, and to watch his kids both watching and admiring him. Ultimately, Mom and Dad were the ones that made it possible. They would offer to help with the kids as much as needed, and Mom even ended up moving in with them in Fairfield. That way, everybody would be taken care of. Now, this may be hard to believe, but Johnny actually did make the team. Well, at least during the first cut. Early in the spring training, Johnny would occasionally rotate in as one of the isotope’s right fielders. He would also do a pretty good job at the plate, averaging a modest but still impressive 250 batting average as a left-handed hitter. This was one of Johnny’s unique characteristics on the baseball field. He threw right-handed, but batted from the left. He could actually switch hit, his hidden talent, but had always been slightly better and more powerful as a left-handed hitter. Johnny even hit a home run from the left side in one of the early spring training games that year. And the Isotopes did come to the Los Angeles area to play one of their early exhibition games. Everyone came, of course. Johnny, the kids, and mom and dad. It was a big family affair. And it was definitely amazing watching my big brother play baseball on a bigger stage. It was so much fun to watch him out there, doing what he had always loved to do. Playing the game he loved the most. Slapping his fist into his glove and telling himself, You got this, Johnny. I'm not sure if I'm the only one who caught that, but he definitely did it. And Johnny did catch a fly ball at one point in the game. He would hand it off to a little boy in the crowd who was about Caleb's age. Johnny had seen some of his greatest baseball heroes do that over the years, Mark McGuire included, and always dreamed of doing it himself. It was a special moment watching it happen, especially in person like that. Speaking of Caleb, there was a special moment with him during that game too, between him and the isotope's mascot. Orbit, as he was called, was a yellow, orange, and red alien who seemed to enjoy coming into the crowd to dance with the spectators. When I saw him walking towards us at one point in the game, I jumped up and started to shake my tail feather a little bit. That's code for dance, for anyone who may not know the hip reference. I was going to show Orbit how to do the moonwalk, one of my hidden talents, but this alien mascot wasn't interested in doing a dance battle with me. He wanted to offer Caleb an unforgettable moment. And so he did. They had their own little dance battle. And Caleb won. No doubt about it. The Isotopes ended up losing the game. It was close and exciting, but the other team outscored them by one point in the end. Johnny didn't have any hits that day, but we all went out to celebrate after the game anyway. How could we not? Maddie and I also took the whole family on a big adventure the next day. We went to Universal Studios in the morning, enjoyed some of the rides, and took a backlot tour of the film and television studios there. We then went down to Hollywood for lunch, strolled along the Hollywood Walk of Fame, admiring and pointing out some of our favorite actors, directors, and musicians along the way. Johnny took some pictures next to Rob Reiner's star. He's always been a fan of his work. We saw Stand By Me more times than I can count as kids. Maddie joined him in one picture because her favorite film of all time is The Princess Bride. Finally, we ended up at the beach. Maddie and the kids jumped right into the ice-cold Pacific water. Mom and Dad held hands and lovingly watched them from their beach chairs. And Johnny and I? Well, we played catch. You probably saw that one coming. We were all exhausted by the end of that day, but I'm certain none of us would change a single thing about it. As the sun began to set that evening, I couldn't help but think of how far we had all come. Of our journey as a family... Of the love, the support, the faith that had carried us along the way. That had lifted us up, both as individuals and as a family. There was so much hope and so much promise for all of us. As I took in the beauty of that sunset, as I breathed in that fresh ocean air, I was so happy and so very much at peace. We all were. Because that day, all we needed was each other. Johnny would end up getting hurt shortly after their trip to Los Angeles. He injured his back pretty badly sliding into home plate one night. He was trying to help his team win. He was trying to make the final cut. And he took a chance. He risked injuring himself to help his team. That had always been Johnny's way. To always hustle and give 110%. No matter what. This time it would cost him, unfortunately. He did not make the final cut. He would not be able to play baseball on a bigger stage from that point on. But unlike in the past, Johnny was going to be okay this time. That's how it seemed, anyway. I saw him handle losing his favorite game again in a completely different way. A much more positive way. I know why it was different this time. Kara, Lacey, and Caleb. His heroes. These three angels would be more than enough to carry Johnny through this loss. After all, there were plenty of exciting and meaningful things that they could play and do together. And they did. Over the next few years, Johnny would play in a men's competitive softball league. The kids would play every sport under the sun. They would also learn dance and music. They would participate in all kinds of extracurricular activities at school. Johnny would be there for all of it. He would work long shifts at a manufacturing plant, come home and get a bit of rest, and then go wherever he needed to in order to be with the kids. And not just on the sidelines. Johnny would constantly play with them, even coach them at times. He would take them on road trips and spend as much quality time with them as he possibly could. He would make memories with them. Good memories. Mom was there for much of this too. She helped Johnny and the kids a lot, often living with them and trying to be as much of a mother figure to the kids as she could. That was tough. Really tough. She just wanted to be their granny. But often it seemed she had to be a lot more than that. It would eventually take its toll. Johnny would also try to get help for his back. His injury never really healed and his pain never went away. He reached out to the VA for help. He went to see several different doctors. He was prescribed several different medications. Pain pills. Opioids. All kinds of stuff. Some better than others. Some much worse. Maddie and I also spent the next several years working and playing and traveling. We took long road trips all over California our favorite being a coastal drive on Highway 1 through breathtaking Big Sur all the way up to San Francisco. We continued to build and pursue our dreams every step of the way. Maddie continued to make a profoundly positive impact as a district school nurse. I continued to work as an actor when and where I could. I was still working in medical billing and coding as well, but worked from home for most of it. So I was able to audition a lot and take a lot of classes, and do a lot of casting director workshops and other industry events. I was able to audition for every film, television, and commercial project possible. Even the crappy ones. And I never farted in anyone's office ever again. (laughs) That was progress. I did make a lot of progress as an actor in Hollywood. I really did. I may not have become rich and famous, or even a full-time working actor like I had long hoped for. But I gained a lot in both the process and journey of pursuing my dream. I learned a ton. I got a lot better. And I had the opportunity to meet some more amazing people and do some more amazing things. I'll always cherish and appreciate that. One of my favorite and biggest accomplishments was co-writing and co-starring in a comedy TV pilot with my best friend from college, Chad. We wrote every word and every action. We raised money to produce the pilot. We held casting auditions for the other roles. We successfully shot it. And it wasn't half bad. In fact, our pilot got into a bunch of film festivals all over the country. Chad and I got to travel to many of them and watch as other people appreciated our hard work, our effort, and our comedy. It was quite remarkable. It definitely stands as one of my favorite memories of my time in Hollywood. It sure beats miserable auditions like the one in Mr. Reckner's office earlier in my career. No doubt about it. There were plenty of those too over the years though. And overall, it seemed like every time I took one step forward, something would happen and knock me two steps back. I'd work on a film project but never receive a copy of it. I'd be promised roles, like in Sharknado 2, and then never hear from the director or producers again. I would sign with an agent, book my first speaking role on a television show on my very first audition after signing with them, and then find out the agency was going under. The husband and wife who owned the agency, who were thrilled to have me on their talent roster, were getting a divorce and closing their doors. Rick had cheated on her with his assistant and ruined everything for his wife and all of the actors represented by their agency, including me. Completely out of my control. Things like that seem to happen to me all the time in Hollywood. I know I'm not the only one. But damn if it didn't sting sometimes. It was hard not to take it personal. I got to a point where I wanted more than that. Maddie and I wanted more than that. We wanted to build something better. We were ready to pursue a new dream. As always, we would do it together. Dear friend, things really did get better for a while there, and Maddie and I were about to see a whole new dream come true. So much hope, and so much promise. All the colors of the rainbow hidden beneath my skin. Hearts of colors don't we all?